Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and this is part 3 of the Christ of Christmas. Luke 2, verses 1 through 14. And the title of this morning's message is Good News for Everyone. Good News for Everyone. So let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. <clears throat> Excuse me, Luke goes on to say, And it came to pass... In those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place with Quirinius uh, while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room uh, for him, for them in the inn. Now, There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people." For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The gospel message that the angel gave to the shepherds about the birth of Jesus was good news. We like good news. We want to hear good news. But we haven't been hearing a lot of good news lately. Because of the pandemic, because people being sick, you know, and... and, and now when I when I get phone calls, and especially late in the evening, I, I kind of say a little prayer, oh Lord, please don't let it be bad news. Because again, we seem to be getting, at least in my view, more, more bad news, at least, you know, than, than good news. And so the gospel, though, that the angel gave to the shepherds, again, about Jesus and his birth was good news. It was a good message. It was a glad message. And it was a universal message. You know, again, it would be a dumb question to ask how many people like good news. And the Bible has a lot to say about good news. Proverbs twenty five twenty five, Solomon said, Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. He said in Proverbs fifteen thirty, the light of the eyes rejoices the heart and a good report or good news makes the bones healthy. Man, it makes us feel good when we hear good news. 
But as I said, there has been a lot of it lately, you know, on the world scene. You know, when you hear or you read the news, all you hear about is how divided we are as a nation, as a people. You know, the presidential election has turned out to be something we have never seen before. People are, like I said, out of work because of the pandemic. Hospitals are full of the, of, of the sick. They're overburdened. And again, seeing loved ones going into eternity. Listening to and watching the news every day can leave a person bummed out. Anxious, fearful about tomorrow. What's it going to hold for me? When the phone rings, like I said, I, I, Lord, please, don't let it be bad news. A lot of people are fearful at Christmas time for various reasons. That affects many areas of our life. But did you know that there were a lot of people who were afraid, fearful at the first Christmas? Again, was in our text here, Luke, let's look at chapter 2, verse 8. Notice it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Notice, and they were greatly afraid. Greatly afraid. Matthew 1.18, we read, After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. How would Joseph explain this? Him and Mary had never been together intimately. He's afraid. Matthew 1, 19-21, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. That is, he was going to divorce her quietly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Joseph, to take uh, Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, they were all afraid in that first Christmas. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. In verse 10 here. And I think people have forgotten the full implication. That is, everything that's involved in the, in the angel's Christmas announcement. This great announcement. What he said. And what it all means. I think a lot of times we forget that. What, the implication of what's, what was said. The angel didn't promise that this good news was just for the Jews. <clears throat> or just for the church. First of all, it was a good message. Because he said, I bring you good tidings, good news. And the four English words here, I bring and good tidings come from one Greek word, which gives us uh, our English words like evangelize, evangel, uh, uh, evangelical and evangelistic. Evangelize means to bring good news. 
And that's what we do when we go out and we, we, we evangelize and we share the gospel. We're bringing people the good news. Good tidings. And no tidings are better than the news that Jesus had come to earth to, the, to, to be the savior of men's souls, which was the angel, angel's message <clears throat> to the shepherds. It's the best message ever given to the human race. No news was better than this news. Because man is a sinner. Man is a sinner. So he comes under the condemnation of God. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners from the judgment of their sins. Secondly, it was a glad message. The angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. A glad message. Jesus Christ is the greatest source of joy for mankind. And through salvation, Jesus brings to men their greatest joy for now and all eternity. And that's why Paul could say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And you know when Paul wrote this? You know when he said this? When he was in prison. Can you imagine? In prison. Though those are not exactly, or that is not exactly a joyous place to be. And to be feeling joy and to be writing about joy. But when he wrote this, and thank God he did, and showed us that you can rejoice even in prison, this means that Jesus Christ can bring us joy no matter where we are, no matter how dark our circumstances might be. But it is dependent upon our receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. If we're going to experience that peace. That joy. And, and, and it was also a universal message. In other words, it was a message that was given to the whole world. It applied to every human being wherever they lived in the world. The angel said, which shall be to all people. This good news, these good tidings of joy was to all people. The good news wasn't limited to a certain few, a few certain, a special, a few certain people, special people. This good news was for the whole world. Think of it. If good news was only good for one race or one group of people or one part of society, then it really isn't good news for all people. It would only be good news for those receiving it. Because it would benefit only them. But for everybody else, it would be just news. It's only good news. If I benefit by it. If others benefit by the good news and I don't, it's really not good news. But Acts chapter 221 says, whoever, whoever 
calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's an open invitation, whoever. We don't need a different gospel for different races and nationalities. There's only one gospel, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's good for all who call on Jesus to be saved. Wherever you go, this message is to all people. You know, if you come and you tell me, oh man, I I won the lotto, man, and and I got a million bucks. Well, I can be happy for you and I can rejoice with you, but it really doesn't benefit me one bit. So what good news could affect all people in the same way? What good news would benefit all people in the same way? No matter what race, no matter what sex, no matter whether they're poor or rich, no matter what neighborhood they live in, no matter what their status of life is, no matter what their education is and so on. You know, it's like the recent presidential election. It was good news for some people, but not for all. Some people may benefit from it, but it won't affect all people in the same way. For good news to be something we can all benefit from, it would have to benefit every situation, every place, every people, every culture at any time. We've all heard the expression, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So many people offer so many things that sound like good news. Until you read the fine print. You read the fine print and then then you find out, oh man, there's so many requirements. So many conditions that I have to meet after, you know, I read the offer. I'm all bummed out. Sounded good to begin with, but then when I got down to the fine print, now I'm bummed out. I have to make so much money a year. I have to be on the job for a certain period of time. You have to have collateral. You have to have so much in your savings account. You have to have a AAA credit rating. You have to have a cosigner and on and on. And and the more you read, the, the more bummed out you get. It's not as great a deal as I thought it was going to be. But you see, that's what makes God's offer so unlike any any other offer. This wasn't just good news to the shepherds or to Mary or to Joseph or to the Jewish people, but to all people, the angel said, who made the announcement, to all people in all places at any time. The angel didn't say to the shepherds after their announcements, uh, by the way, read the small print on the back of the announcement, guys. The Christmas angel could have come with an announcement of judgment. And rightfully so. But he didn't. God didn't send, send the Christmas angel with bad news that God was going to destroy all of mankind. Though he could have. The Christmas angel didn't come to tell us that God was fed up with us, though he should be. And that he's done with us. 
and that he's going to wipe us out. The angel didn't come to tell us that. He came and he told us just the opposite. In spite of us. That God sent his only son to be born a savior, not a slayer. Thank God. He came to give us great joy. Not great judgment. He came to give us great comfort. Not great condemnation. Even after my sins. And your sin sent him to the cross. You know what he did? He, he, He loved us back. He only loved us back. And this baby Savior would grow up in the middle of our sinful world. And he would spend time with the most unlikely people, the most undesirable people. People that the world looked down on. Prostitutes, thieves, swindlers, drunks. Offering them the same thing he offered the religious people. Jesus told Nicodemus that God loves the whole world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That those who believe in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. No exceptions. No exceptions. That Jesus the only son of God. Is the father's gift. To the whole human race. And that everyone who believes in him. For salvation can have eternal life. Think about that. That God should love us that much to give us such a great gift. A gift like no other. Such a wicked world like this one. He didn't hate it. Instead, he loved it so much that he'd make a way for us to be saved from our wickedness. That we could start all over again. That we could have a clean slate. That our sins would be erased, forgiven, never brought up again. Gone. And in order to save us, he would give his son. He didn't give an angel. He didn't give some other created being. He gave a precious, priceless gift. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. His only son. So that this great salvation could be offered free to everyone who believes in him. God so loved the world. The whole human race. Saints and sinners alike. Good and bad alike. Evil and righteous alike. No exceptions. No strings attached. No partiality. This is a love that's beyond all human understanding. The love of God is not a simple, you know, touchy-feely, syrupy emotion that God feels, you know, like doing when he's in a good mood. 
It's not something that, that, that just something that, that God thinks about and then does. Love is what God is. He can't help but love. It's who he is. First John 4, 8 says God is love. It can't be explained. First John tells us that it's not of this world. Behold, what manner of love is this? The word behold, it's an expression that means to, it means look at this. What manner, this is, it's, it's literally, it's not of this world and it's not. It's a love that has never been, been seen before. It's a love that's never been experienced before. Behold what manner, of, it's out of this world. That's really what it means. It can't be explained. It's not of this world. It's indescribable. It's like nothing we've ever experienced before. And his love is eternal. Jeremiah 31 3 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. His love is unconditional. Like I said, no strings attached. Because the Lord loves you and because He would keep the oath that He swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of the Pharaoh, the king. Deuteronomy 7, 8. God says, because I made a covenant with your fathers. I love you so much that I brought you out of the bondage of Egypt. Once again, God's love is not based on how on, on how warm and loving my responses are toward to Him. It's not dependent upon me. Thank God. <laughs> you know, that's the way we love people. If they're warm and lovey-dovey to us and they're nice and they're, you know, they're everything we think they should be, we can love them to death. But let them cross us. Or... Say something that rubs us the wrong way. Well, you know, scratch you off the list. No present for you. But God doesn't behave that way. It's not based on warmth and loving responses that we have toward Him. His love is incomprehensible. We can't understand it. It's beyond our understanding. Paul said in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. God's love is infinite. It goes way beyond anything we could ever imagine. It never ends. We've been touched by his love. And yet the fullness of this love will be there for all eternity. Again, which is way beyond man's understanding. God's love is calming. We need calming today. 
Zephaniah 3.17, it says, In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, He will quiet you with His love. He will quiet you with His love. God holds His children close to His heart, just like a loving mother holds a baby. And I'm sure a lot of you moms and, and dads too. When your your child is scared and, and something upsets them, they want to be held by you. And they're assured by your, your loving embrace as you hold them close and tight and you tell them everything's okay. It calms their heart. It gives them peace. And that's exactly what our... our, our our Lord does to us. He holds us <clears throat> close to His heart. He quiets us. He calms us with His love. And, and Paul said He's the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. Only God can give you the comfort that is needed today and always. His love is unchangeable. John 13, 1, it begins, He loved them to the end. He loves them to the end. I'm sorry, towards the end of the chapter, it says He loves. In the beginning is when He was washing their feet in John 13. Think of it. Even Judas Iscariot, who He knew was going to betray Him, he knew that Judas was going to sell him out. But he still washes his feet. And John wrote after that, he says, speaking of Jesus, it says, he loved them to the end. Can you imagine? His love is great. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. Great love. And more than all of this, see how much our Father loves us because He calms His children. He, does, he doesn't want us to be fearful. He doesn't want us to be anxious. He doesn't want us to fret. And God's love is just not self-centered talk or idle talk. His love reaches out and it draws us in and others too. It draws us. And we learn here that God's love is giving. It's spared nothing. This is the heart of the good news. How much does God love you and me? He stretches his arms out as far as they could go. And he says, I love you that much. And allow those, those, those tender hands to be nailed to a cross. That's how much he loves us. Whoever believes in him. Whoever believes in Him shall be saved.
Now, just exactly what is God asking us to believe? What does God ask us to believe? He asks us to believe that we are sinners and deserve nothing. That none are good. They've all gone their own way. None are righteous. To believe that, that, that God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you on the cross to bring you salvation. And then, if you really believe these things, there's one more thing you have to do. Because believing is more than just saying, yeah, I believe. It's not just agreeing in your mind with what the verse says. I believe means putting your total trust and confidence in Jesus Christ that only He can save us. And it's putting Jesus in charge of our plans, in charge of our life. Now, at the moment. And for what happens to us eternally. Believing is both trusting and obeying what He says. Believing in the Bible is, is the same word as obeying. Because if you really, see, if you really believe something, you act upon it. If I told you, hey, I, I know where you can find a million bucks. Just go down here and, and, and you know, and, you know I give you the directions and, and you find it. If I look at the other and say, that guy's nuts. But if you believe, you'd get up and you'd go look. <laughs> Believing, obeying, trusting God's word. That's what saves us. Again, putting Jesus in charge of your plans, your life. Believing, trusting, obeying his words as reliable. And depending on him for the power to change your life. It's to take what you believe by faith and put it into action by committing your life to Christ and following Him no matter what the cost. And if you make this commitment, you will have eternal life and God will make you a new creature, renewing the inner man, day by day, transforming you into the image of Christ. And that's what should be happening in our life, being transformed into the image of Christ. He's our model. The wonderful thing about whoever believes in Him is that they will not perish ever, but have everlasting life. The word perish, when it says they shall never perish, the word perish means destroy. It speaks of the final condition of man's soul. That's not what God wants for us. God doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. God wants every soul to repent. That's why, that's why he says, whoever. Whoever. It's an open invitation for salvation for those who depend upon him. Those who do will receive everlasting life. God paid dearly with the life of his son. 
And the birth of Christ was the beginning of all that. He paid a price, the highest price that he could pay. Jesus accepted our punishment. He paid the price for our sins. And he offered us the new life that he brought for us with his own, bought for us with his own blood. That's good news for all men. And Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see, he's coming to take us there. He's got a place for us. He's got a plan for us in eternity. Even though he knows everything about you, he still wants to be your savior. Think about that. Especially for those who haven't received Christ yet. He still wants to be your savior. And he knows what your life is like. Now that's good news for all people everywhere. Now, is this good news for those who don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior? Yes. Even more so. Because He still wants you. Even though you don't acknowledge Him as Christ, as Lord, as Savior, He still wants you. He's still there for you. That moment that you call upon Him. Because they desperately need a Savior. And Jesus is the only Savior that anyone will ever have. This world would like you to be, believe and various religions would like you to believe that, that, that there, are, there are other ways to be saved and there are many Saviors. There, are, there is not. There's but one. And He's the Savior of the world. He was, the, he was the savior of Osama bin Laden, Charles Manson, Adolf Hitler, Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius. And he's my savior and he's your savior to those who call upon him. He came, he is savior. Whether those call upon him or not. It doesn't change who he is. Acts chapter 4.12 Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one who has a right to claim being Savior. So in closing, we love Christmas because it's a break from the bad news. That's so much a part of life. It's a relief from inner stress and pain. It's the calming of our heart and our spirit because the Father holds us tight and He holds us close and He calms our spirits. Christmas isn't just about a baby. It's not just about a baby, but about the Son of God. It's not just about the angel's message, but it's about the Word of God. 
It's not just about a manger and presents and Christmas trees and decorations and lights. It's about a cross. A cross. The birth of Christ in the manger was all pointing to the cross. Christmas isn't just about three wise men and a, and, a, and a special star in the sky, a guiding star. It's not about gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it's about the empty tomb. Christmas isn't just about shepherds in the fields as they lay and angels and the Jewish people. It's about you and me and how we receive and respond to what God has done for us because of his birth resulting in his death. It's not because he didn't come just for a few special people, but for all people. He didn't come just for Christmas, but he came for always. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on on what Jesus came to bring us, what God sent us. It's Christmas. Welcome him, Jesus Christ, as your Savior and your Lord. And God is calling us to respond. To this wonderful gift of love that he sent us in his son. And we are to receive him. We're to welcome him. To live on the basis of trust in him as our savior and obey him as our Lord. Man, when people start to do that. The peace of God starts to spread among them. And when we make peace with God, it will turn into peace with others. The question is, how will you respond to the good news of Christmas? The good news of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The door of your heart. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he said, I will come in to him and dine with him, fellowship with him. And he with me. He's waiting for you to come and open the door. He wants to share with you not only our Christmas. He wants to share not only our Christmas with us, but all our life with him. And every day of the year as well. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for we thank you for this beautiful passage here lord the message the good news of christ and why he came and father that we're not to be afraid we're not to be fearful lord because love is not of you lord Uh, fear is not of god fret fear anxiety god let the blood of jesus christ wash it away lord And we pray for those this morning that may not know you. 
that they would come to experience what Christmas is all about. We see the lights, the beautiful Christmas lights, (coughs) to me, which is symbolic of Jesus Christ being the light of the world. The light of the world. The spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christ. Love and peace towards all men. The gifts that are given and received is a gift that God gave us to be received in Christ. So Father, may those this morning that don't know you confess to you that they are sinners. Acknowledge that they have sinned and they have done their own thing and they have gone astray. And that they want to receive you as their Lord and their Savior by confessing their sin and receiving you. Praying, Lord, I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit and to begin a new life in Christ today and for all eternity. And to thank Him for giving up His glorious creation to come here and put on flesh and bones and blood and take on the the form of man just so that He could die upon the cross and be be our payment for sin because we couldn't do it. And so, Father, I pray that there would be many this Christmas that would turn to you. And surrender their hearts and their lives to you this morning, God. And that you would pray with, be with my brothers and sisters here this morning. Be with them this week and bless them, God. Protect them. Father, I do want to pray for the offering this morning. That you would bless the tithes and the offerings. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, for taking care of us. This place that we can come and worship, God, whether it's inside or outside, God, as long as we get to worship, Lord. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.